Hello and welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my brother, Jeremy Sartori, today. It is a Brother, Brother podcast. And today we are, uh, you know, sort of welcoming the new year a little late, but uh, we put out our our best albums of 2020 a couple weeks ago, and today uh, we're sort of doing an addendum to that, which is uh, sort of a little minor recap of what we missed in 2020, but also the albums we're most looking forward to in 2021. And I just wanted to, you know, sort of start the conversation with, by, you know, sort of reminiscing a little bit with Jeremy about a show that we, the last public show that we saw in 2020. Yeah, the last time, last time we were seen in public, yeah. I would say as well. And, to, uh, together, and that was... Yeah, I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, that was the, the uh, Basquiat, and the birth of hip hop um, uh, exhibit at the MFA in Boston, which um, has been an exhibit that's been very popular. Um, certainly, we had to make an appointment, but we did actually catch the show in the interim between two lockdowns. So I kind of raised a question to me, and, and I'm sure to you as well. Uh, what have we been missing? That we haven't really. I mean, we've been talking about a lot about the live music that we've missed in 2020. But what else? What other kind of communal exercises and, and experiences have we been missing out on, Jer? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great, great uh, question. Obviously, concerts, which you mentioned. I think um, you know any sort of like like that public event, like the MFA exhibit, which we were able to go to, but had to make an appointment, and it. it I think it locked down the week after we went. Um, it had and it had been locked down prior. Um, you know, regular things. We both are reside in Boston, you and LA part of the time, but it, you know, they're the 4th of July or, you know, sort of public events oh, like that and that are big deals in Boston with the pops and, and, um, you know, fireworks. I think, uh, it's funny cause it's, we were kind of reminiscing that uh, in March, it'll be a year of, of lockdown, um, where we sort of brave, you know, uh, I guess, uh, foolishly went out and saw our last concert at a now defunct club in Boston, the once ballroom and, uh, you know, saw murder capital. And by the end of that night realized that like, we probably should not have been out. And by morning definitely knew we should not have been out. Um, and luckily we're spared, um, in a year, but I mean, I think, you know, just in general, it's just been a, a year of, you know, of get togethers gone, um, movies, you know, we're, we're starting to kind of get the, the late Oscar bump that you normally would have gotten towards the end of the year and into the, the winter and that's now become a, a streaming event, you know? Um, and those are movies that I de- definitely enjoy seeing in the theater too. You know, that it's a kind of like something to get out and do something. Well, one, one industry note that I would, I would, you know, sort of provide, um, you know, I, t- I, as a, I'm an awards voter with the writers guild and I have received, you know, to, for the past 10 years, I've received DVDs in the mail and DVDs are obviously, a uh, format that's kind of going in the waste, you know, going the waste cycle. People are no longer really buying, watching DVDs. I don't have a DVD player uh, in my home or on my computer. So I received a lot of digital screeners this year, but I didn't receive them in the usual, you know, November, December frame. I, I wound up getting almost all of them post New Year's. And the other odd you know the the thing that is weirdest about this is that I did receive DVDs from one company uh, for awards consideration. That company was Amazon. So Amazon <laughs> is obviously making an effort to establish themselves as a quote unquote you know establishment 
motion picture film, you know, distribution company, um, you know, to sort of thwart the idea that they aren't making films, that they're only making television because they only stream at home. That said, you know, this is the, this is the uh, sort of expedited uh, crossroads that we've been waiting for for a couple of years, like when movies are going to be streaming simultaneous to their theatrical release, if there's a theatrical release. Um, obviously. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's going to change. I mean, we know that that's going to change completely. Um, in general, I think in the future, if I was to look into my crystal ball, you're going to have, um, you know, very probably limited number of movie theaters with, with lots of perks like um, meals, alcohol, um, you know, things. So it's more of an event, I, I imagine, as opposed to just something you do any night of the week. Uh, around or dropping your kids off on the weekend or, or you know such I, I think it's just kind of transformed that um, yeah I think that you know, the, days, the, the days of Hollywood hits and, and Danvers is over the multiplex with the with the shitty smelling exactly. carpeting and, and bad concessions <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but um, the Basquiat experience was interesting too because you know we had to go we had to line up um, six feet apart uh, you know sanitize obviously uh, you know, you kind of go through the, you know, what looks like uh, from a dis, dis, you know, dystopian film, you know, the, the tent to get registered and get scanned, um, you know, and then you sort of were let in in groups, you know, I think uh, we went with, uh, you know, your wife Polly and my girlfriend and, you know, even as I kind of stepped in the bathroom before we went downstairs to check out the exhibit, I was then stopped and, you know, had to wait till, you know, the next group had kind of flown through based on just sheer numbers. So, you know, just the whole experience was 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 odd, and 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 you just were very aware of people coming close to you. Yeah. Um. And you know, I will say that the you know old man who doesn't know your personal space still exists, and uh, you yeah, know, but that that is a weird thing. It is you know, even in the gift shop afterwards, um, you know, it was a very you know, you were so it was the it was the first time. And, you know, eight months we had done an organized kind of uh, outing, you know, not walking yeah. down the street, not around the know. arts. And yeah, yeah. So yep. you don't you don't necessarily have the same sort of, you know, guard up that you do walking down the street late at night or, or whatever. And, you know, you just have some person like leering over your shoulder trying to read the same thing you are. And you just feel yes. like you have the right to say back the fuck up. Um, no, no kidding. Yeah. And you kind of do. And I think it is, you know, it, it's, I wonder what the, and I, I throw this out as an open question, not as something I have an answer to, but I wonder what post-COVID interactions are going to be like, you know, whether people are going to be twice as touchy about personal space and, um, you, know, uh, you know, whether the, the punk rock ethos of, of, you know, sort of, banging into each other is going to uh, draw a lot of uh, a lot more dirty looks and, and uh, admonishment than than it used to in the past. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think, um, you know, I do have this, you know, feeling that if the vaccinations roll out and, and not to get too into the weeds here, but like that there's going to be an, uh, you know, a skyrocketing of, you know, sort of free love and, and, and party mentality. I imagine to some degree, there's going to be a lot of pent up 20 year olds and, uh, and even 50 and 40 and whatever age group that just want to get yes. the fuck out and have a good time. Um, you know, hopefully we can get some relief for clubs and things like that here. Um, I know it's in the bill. I would also just, uh, 
just as a side note, throw out that uh, Sound Opinions this year has done a nice job of, of um, kind of tracking that and how clubs are doing mm-hmm. and, you know, what that's going to look like. And then also uh, kudos to Bandcamp for doing, you know, uh, free sort of Fridays of the first Fridays of the month where all the proceeds go right to the bands um, as opposed to, you know, kind of taking a cut or whatever for being on the for hosting them. So I think there's been a lot of, you know, sort of grassroots uh, relief, but it is going to be a different vibe uh, in general. I mean, I, I was saying the other day, like, I don't know that I wouldn't still wear a mask now traveling and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, it's interesting. 2021, we've kind of we've limped into, uh, you know, and, and I think it was uh, I think everybody's relieved in a lot of ways. Um, but one thing that I think is always uh, promising is you sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel and you can't help at least uh, the three of us on this pod feel better just in, in you know, uh, politics and, and just in the state of our country, at least being uh, somewhat normal again, um, you know, minus, uh, you know, the, the, the virus. But one thing that we always look forward to is new music in 2021. So I think, too, you know, if, if people get to touring towards the end of the year um, or the end of the, the winter here, um, you know, there's a lot to be excited about and a lot of artists that we love, you know, are going to be dropping albums in 2021. And I think some big ones may have even held off for 2020. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, I mean, like when I, I remember thinking this back in at the beginning of the summer, like, you know, there are certain, there are certain super high profile acts who were, you know, sort of poised to take over the world. I think of like how big a Billie Eilish 2020 summer tour would have been. Or mm-hmm. um, yeah, I actually was thinking about getting tickets for my my daughters. Yep. Yeah, I mean, how many? How you know what what would have moved the needle in terms of of touring and promotion, and then also um, you know what? How many bands because they didn't tour in twenty twenty, or because twenty twenty was an off year that they were going to take the to you know write and record an album? How is every act in music going to be touring in twenty twenty one twenty two? Right. I think it's going to be, Plain, I think it's going to be our benefit. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, point out a few that, you know, what I, I was basically reviewing the, the, you know, the lists of, of albums that are highly anticipated, what we can't wait for. And then I realized that my eyes are often drawn to new records that I'm like, oh, that's great. This band is coming out with a new record. I love them. And then I realized I haven't really loved a record by some of these guys in a number of years, or I have, you know, sort of stuck to their old catalog. There's a lot of, you know, I guess what you'd call legacy bands at this point. So anyway, I'm going to start off with um, bands that, you know, without reservation, I am absolutely looking to see what they do next creatively. Um, and I, I can't wait to add them to my uh, music library. And I'm going to start off with the... Uh, the act that was my 2019 album of the year, and that's Wise Blood. Uh, very much looking forward to seeing what uh, she does next. There's, I think she's settled into a, a really good pocket, and um, uh, from what I gather from you know what I'm hearing, uh, is doing, you know. So I think she's really on top of her game right now, and uh, you know, again, just curious because Titanic Rising was one of my favorite albums probably of the decade. I'm really looking forward to seeing what she's going to do next. How about you, Gerald? Who are you looking forward to? 
I'm pretty excited about um, the Vince Staples and Kendrick. You know, I'm going to just group them not together because they are the same person, but because they're both two of the, I think, best hip-hop artists going. And uh, Vince Staples being um, probably my favorite current hip-hop artist um, and Kendrick, you know, close behind. You know, I think he's sort of in a, a you know, superstar level um, that's just hard to hard to you know, kind of come close to. They both had albums in 2018. And then, you know, Kendrick's done some some side projects and, and did the Black Panther soundtrack. Um, Vince Staples had FM in 2018, which I, I really loved. And uh, Damn was Kendrick's big, you know, sort of smash hit album. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I, I'm curious. I think to me, Vince Staples hasn't put out anything. Neither of you guys have put out anything bad at all. I think both of them have, are, you know, Kendrick already there and, and Vince Staples um, is there in a different way, maybe a slightly notch under superstardom. But I mean, even like a Gatorade ad is using a, a sort of take on, on one of his tracks. So it's, um, well, Vince, Vince it's Staples, exciting. I think is, you know, consistently been, really good and been himself, and that is a great thing. I think Kendrick Lamar has consistently been himself, but has also sort of um, globetrotted as far as influence and vibe goes. I mean, To Pimp a Butterfly was so different than Damn, was so different than Good Kid, Mad City. Yeah, they. I mean, they are, minus the fact that his... Just rhyming stuff, you know, the way he's one of the best MCs, I think. Yeah, his style you know, hasn't ever. changed. The underpinnings have changed. And, but yeah, no, definitely. And, and I, I agree. And I think his, that's why I'm kind of curious on the Kendrick Lamar, like what, what sound is he going to bring next, you know, so, you know, from Mad City to your point to, to Butterfly to Dam or, or uh, sonically, you know, very mm-hmm. interesting, different, intricate albums. And, and, you know, they're big. I mean, all of his records are really big to me, um, but also have such a, a great, you know, sort of, they never sound like a sellout in the old sense of selling out. You know, he, he's very, I think, true to his craft and, and who he is and where he's from. And Vince Staples is, is kind of a more underground, I, I guess, version of that. Um, but at the same time, you know, FM was a big album and, and, uh, and kind of like hit a new mark for him. And so, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited for both those guys. I, I really have always loved both their styles, and then also just kind of the sonics that they bring to hip-hop. Well, you're just a Southern Cal guy. Um, <laughs> speaking of, um, I wonder, you know, they're to, to sort of, I wonder what, uh, or speaking of Southern, not Southern Cal, but uh, Casey Musgraves has got an album uh, that'll be coming out this year. I'm going to put her together with Lana Del Rey um, as two people who really had their, their sort of crossover breakout um, a year before last, and well, again, two of my favorite albums of the past several years. Will Lana Del Rey continue to produce music that Taylor Swift can then copy and um, use in, in advertisements, or will uh, Casey Musgraves, who basically wrote a great um, album about falling in love? on her last record, uh, has since been divorced. So are we inevitably going to get the awesome, um, country goddess breakup record? Yeah. That's one I knew you would throw out there. I know you, uh, love, I mean, I, I like the record a ton too, golden hour. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think we are. I mean, that, that's going to be my, I'm putting money on that. And then I do, I'm excited about, uh, 
that record because there's nothing more than a woman scorn in country <laughs> coming at you. So I'm not even sure if she's a woman scorn so much as she may be just a woman liberated. Who knows? We don't just freedom. That's yeah. true. Yeah, you never I know. Mean, the, the two years of marriage can can you know really put a damper on things. Um, yeah, I mean she's uh, you know wasn't able to go out of Bonnaroo and trip on mushrooms and have fun. So. <laughs> exactly. There's a bunch of you know other bands you know sort of more our our uh, typical. Um, Bailiwick, uh, you know, uh, Parquet Courts, Nation of Language. I'm curious to see what they do next. Um, Parquet Courts, I think, changes gears fairly frequently, but, you know, always puts, has, has always, like, like Kendrick, um, you know, changes, or St. Vincent, who is also doing an album this year, changes gears, but it's always interesting to see where they go and has yet to fuck it up. So, those will be really um, interesting records as well. Billy, I throw Billy Eilish in because I'm very curious to see where that phenomenon goes from here. I'm gonna throw one out there. Sorry, and I know that um, Billy Eilish. Just to kind of, I know we were kind of picking out, a, plucking out a few here, but I, I'm gonna bet this album's gonna be bad. Really? And not to put a negative spin on 2021. Yeah, I just there was something in the Grammys when she won all those Grammys, and um, I. Felt like she sang the word. I know that album pretty well, but my youngest daughter is like just fell in love with that album and, and played it nonstop to the point where it was like took over my Spotify account. Um, and you would have thought I was a Billie Eilish fan club boy, but um, I do like her, I do like that record. But I, I felt like the weirdness of it really came from her brother mm-hmm. um, and his production. And this is all you know, hypothetical, I'm not necessarily uh, um. I don't have any inside track to Eilish's next album. Yeah, yeah but um, but I, I I just remember kind of like watching it with Cleo, my youngest daughter, and, and wanting to um, be excited for the Grammys and her playing like the most straightforward ballad, boring song, mm-hmm. which really did show her vocal talent. But I just, you know, I feel like when you're a, a singer like that, you know, there is that urge to kind of go in that direction. So that's just a guess. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I always, you know, I mean, I, I sort of over-intellectualized it and always thought of Billie Eilish as being sort of Cy Twombly, um, you know, where she has the talent but has reduced it down to, you know, fitting the song um, rather than, you know, sort of showcasing it. And, and, you know, you may be right. This may be the opportunity to showcase it, and that may lead her to a more traditional um, you know, sort of ballads and and bangers kind of album that that may be more run of the mill than than the last album was. Hard, hard album to follow up. That was a big hit. Yeah, the other the other three I just I mentioned and uh, to close this out, and then we'll take a quick break. Is Lord, um, The Wrens, and Pusha T. Um, now, are you going to ask Let's me? Let's just remind our <laughs> listeners the Wrens are on every year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. That never comes out. So my, my job now is to find the common denominator between uh, the Wrens, Pusha T, and uh, Lord. And to me, there is a common denominator, which is that they have, they're both, they are all three kind of, uh, let's say, deliberate in their output. Pusha T had a long break. Uh, Lord took a long time to sort of follow up her her uh, initial hit. Yeah, much. and um, I think she has the oppor- you know the opportunity and the native ability to do something really extraordinary. I think the Wrens um, have been sonically perfecting an album for the past um, century and a half. I think since uh, the invention of movable yeah. type. 
and um, you know, obviously, I uh, we've. Uh, you actually not you. Their I. album, their album has gone from cassette to to uh, or sorry to vinyl to cassette to CD to digital back <laughs> to uh, vinyl to cassette. I think we're on cassette now. So yeah, I think it it's back out. to cave drawing at this point. But um, you know, Christian, and I had the great pleasure of of sitting in Charles Bissell's uh, study and listening to some of the tracks early on, and um, you know, with the promise that the album was coming out that year, I believe that was two thousand sixteen or seventeen. So, um, you know, again, this is, this is, uh, now I think almost doubled the, uh, the Chinese democracy, um, gestation period. And, uh, that is, um, you know, hopefully it it lives up to, uh, the amount of anticipation that's going into it, but I do love those guys and I can't wait to hear what they have next, um, push a T uh, I think came out with the best record of his career two years ago with yeah, Daytona. I mean, I, I'm going to guess that Kanye might be on hi- hiatus for producing this one, so we'll see. I don't know. That is, I would not take that for granted. Um, Kanye may very well be back in the mix. So anyway, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and, and talk about some of the other albums that we're looking forward to this year. I do my makeup in somebody else's car. We ordered different drinks at the same bars I know about what you did and I want to scream the truth She thinks you love the beach, you're such a damn liar Well, those great whites, they have big teeth Oh, they bite you, that you said that you would always be in love but you're not in love no more did it frighten you how we kissed when we danced on the light of floor on the light of floor but i hear sounds in my mind brand new sounds in my mind but only i'll be seeing you Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother pod, and today it's Wynn and I. We're sort of uh, cautiously stepping into 2021 uh, with masks, hand sanitizer, and uh, a short list of artists that we're excited to see uh, what they do next and what they bring to 2021 and, and, uh, you know, sort of lofty hopes that we'll actually be able to stand next to each other, uh, beer in hand, at a rock club in this year. Um... Uh, like when kind of had the idea of kind of pushing it out to, you know, huge artists that we're super excited about and that kind of catch your eye when you see these lists that are uh, most anticipated. And then the, the grouping within that grouping that you are initially excited about, but then sort of look back and realize that, you know what, um, I haven't really dug or listened to an album by them. <laughs> In the yeah. last, uh, you know, maybe three or four or two, depending on who it is. Um, there's one in the middle that you put here, and I'm not sure they're in the middle, but it's Spoon. So why, why did you put them in the middle? Because they are a band that I have grown accustomed to having an album by every two years and have yet to 
not fully embrace one of their records. You know what I mean? It's like I, every I'm like, oh, another Spoon record. But every Spoon record that comes out, I seem to like as much or more as as everything they've put out before. They seem to be a band that's still shockingly in their late 40s or mid 40s still seem to be on the ascent. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. I think they've had one, you know, near miss and it wasn't even that, you know, if you would put it in any other catalog, um, it was a miss only because it was like not as perfect as everything they've sort of seemed to put out since um, Series of Sneaks, I'd even say, you know, mm-hmm. it's been a band that's really just put out great music. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think every time too, and I give them some credit. Um, I guess like it's a band that evolves each time. I mean, the sound and the basic, you know, kind of uh, basic. Yeah, yeah, skeleton is there always. You know, the members and and um, Jim and and Brett especially, but um, but they yeah they seem to add something whether it's kind of like a soul take or a uh, you know more deconstructed or, or more pop but it's it's a great formula they do a great job and they they keep you on your toes so I'm definitely excited for them yeah they well, keep getting they keep getting better live and they keep sort of expanding their sonic palette but without I don't know it's a it's a it's a nifty trick because not many people do it. Um, yeah, but, and it's a band too that I really would like to see again live. I know you and Christian have seen them in the late uh, last couple albums, or and just were blown away. I, you know, was around those guys in, in early years in Austin when I was living there in the late '90s, early 2000s, and um, you know saw them quite a bit back then. And they were definitely, you know, they're pretty much my age, maybe a year or two older, if that. And or and so. Um, you know, I, I always liked them, but was never blown away live. And, uh, well, they, and I know that they've gotten just better and better. Uh, they've always too. sounded good, but there was always a, yeah, yeah. There was always there a, was, it was there was a there was a cockiness that came off as sneering and and kind of distant, which has grown into a confidence that is now performative and inviting. Yeah, I, I, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, it was sort of a definitely like we don't owe you anything vibe and they always sounded good and then i think now they actually enjoy the performance and and feel confident now they know they owe um, us doing it yes they do (laughs) they owe us a damn good show and a good album yeah so then i looked at at the rest of the records that i and you know my eyes this is a funny thing because this has been happening to me since you know since the dawn of my you know love of music is you know there's there's certain albums that you know come out by bands and I'm super excited about them and then I realize that you know I've I've really kind of I love this band because of what they did not what they're going to do and um, you know my morning jacket fits that mold to me hold steady you know these are all bands that I'm gonna go see if they come to town but I you know if I were still buying CDs I would probably buy the CD and not listen to it much or buy it yeah run it I mean through it, a couple times luckily. We can we can avoid that and stream, but um, yeah. So let's look at like some of these bands, and I totally agree with you. Um, you know, on here we have My Morning Jacket, Phoenix, Hold Steady. I think Rihanna can go in that uh, top group, um, but I, I do get that you know some of her best stuff probably has been has been put out. Um, you forget, yeah, certainly. I think like, you forget Dinosaur how Junior long the... around she's how long she's been around at this point. I mean, she's been around for 20 years. I mean, I don't. I remember Umbrella and all those singles, you know. I mean, it was, uh, 
I do though feel like her last, like I love the song Work, which I believe mm-hmm. was her last album. I mean, she hasn't put out an album in a while. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a great single and that album was kind of a sneaky, really good album. So I could see her just kind of getting used to having less pressure of being a superstar and doing more cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that, that was more subtle and kind of sneaky and I think didn't really get great reviews when it first came out. And then now I think everybody loves and, and you know, looking back, but, um, hold steady. Yeah. I mean, look, I love them. Everything about what those guys stand for. Craig Finn on, you know, has popped up at every New York city show. We our Brooklyn show that we went to for about three years and saying a replacements cover, which I am going to, you know, think, never going to be, you know, please invite anytime you want. Cause that's, you know, I'll never, I'll never get tired of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, but yeah, the, the whole study really, I would say after boys and girls and, you know, stay positive. Is that the one right after boys yeah. and girls had some good tunes for sure. But, um, I've, I've kind of, they've kind of settled into a groove, let's say, you know, and it happens, you get older and you, you know, you, you're good at what you do and they have a great craft and a great sound. But it's not somebody that I've been looking forward to a new album from or even listen to the last couple. Yeah, I think, um, you know, with all of these bands that I have listed here, and the, the rest are Queens of the Stone Age, Archers of Loaf, Dinosaur Jr., The Cure, and Father John Misty. Um, Father John Misty, I would put sort of in a separate category where it's a wait and see. I've liked albums. Yeah, it's a hit or, it's a hit or miss. One and he's, four, he's and I hated two and three, so it's always a crapshoot. But the rest of them are kind of, you know, have hit their pinnacle at some point and yep. are now putting out, you know, and it, I mean, this isn't dismissive, that they're still enjoyable, but they're putting out the, the you know, B version of what used to be, you know, of what, you know, the, what is following. Which was an exciting, which was an exciting sound at one time, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I Dinosaur Jr., you know, I, again, go back to college with those guys. I mean, they, they were from the town I went to college in, Amherst, and um, they, you know, I saw them play a lot of really small shows and I would, you know, sh- shockingly, I can still hear because I, you know, I've spent sets of theirs lying down on the stage or, or hanging out on stage. And, um, you know, it's, I think there's, I'm shocked that they're still doing really good music, but at the same time, I, I consider it inessential when I think of things like you're living all over me and bug. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it. These are all big bands that had an album that really impacted the music scene, I would say, you know, um, you know, with with My Morning Jacket, certainly uh, It Still Moves was very impactful. Hold Steady obviously had a completely different um, sound and take and lyrically, yeah, I mean, and you can say um, Separation Sunday and Boys and Girls are are very influential. Phoenix, I mean, you know, that album was huge and... um, and, you know, Queens, too. I saw, like like you with uh, Dino, I saw Queens of the Stone Age in a room with, you know, maybe 400 people not knowing who the hell they were and was, like, you know, had my, my face melted off. You know, it was like, holy shit, this is, this is awesome. Um, and, you know, I'm a big Archers fan. Used to see them back in the day, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think all these bands are going to put out good stuff that I'm going to listen to. I'm probably going to enjoy. But um, I do think, you know, we'll see if their best days are behind them or not. Mm-hmm. And if their best days are behind them, I will still gleefully shell out the money to go see them live. Yeah, uh, I will too. Because yeah. they're all great live, and they all also tend to know what their uh, 
what the A-list was of, of tunes they yeah. play. You know, I think in a weird way, you get to a certain age when you're a band and, uh, you know, Gone is the, this is, we're going to play our new album, screw you. you yeah, know? you're going to like it. And In is like, yeah, we're going to play one song off the new album and here's all the shit you want to hear. Yeah, and I mean, I think, when I think of the best shows I've ever seen, I mean, My Morning Jacket, Dino, Queens of the Stone Age, um, and Phoenix are all up there. Yeah. I mean, Hold Steady, too. Yep. I mean, I've had some of my best, some of the best shows, you know, I've or some of the best times I've had have, have been going to those, see those guys. And, and um, you know, as they graduate up the uh, age ladder alongside myself, um, I'm happy, you know, I'm, I, there's a side thrill of, of, of knowing that they're still going at it at this point. But... Um, yeah, no, definitely. And it's also like that there's always something to be said when you go to a show and you know the catalog. Oh, yeah. And the catalog is rich and deep, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you want to take a quick break so, and we'll end this the way that we end everything? Yeah. Let's uh, let's go out with the Queens of the Stone Age. Um, what's the first song on Rated R? Is it the... Uh, Feel Good Hit of the Summer? Yep, feel good sit ahead of the summer. Thank you. I just all I can think of is ecstasy, marijuana, cocaine, and uh, all the other fun stuff yeah, that they uh, name check in that song. So, Damien, thanks. going to end this episode the way we end every episode and that is uh with a trick question uh jeremy what are you listening to oh wow what am i listening to so um i've been checking out some bands that uh you know you actually mentioned kiwi jr being one um where are they from by the way i didn't look canada canada okay just just toronto i believe (laughs) yeah no all of all of everyone's from a different province um, no, I believe yeah, they're from um, Toronto, given that there's a, a CN Tower reference in the first song on the album. But I don't, I don't gotcha. know that for sure. Uh, I, I know they're from Canada. I don't know that they're from Toronto. Cool. Um, but I really like that record. Probably look that, we, we could easily probably look that up if we wanted to, considering yeah. that we're in front of our computers. But, um, but we're not going to. And uh, yeah, I like that record too. It's got a lot of that, you know, some of the bands we just name-checked, sort of Archer's Dino, Pavement, uh, 90s indie feel and influence. Uh, definitely pay, lean heavily on the, the pavement side of that, that uh, street. And um, yeah, it's a really good, catchy record with a lot of um, good hooks and, and good lyrics. Yeah, I, I really like the guitar. writing. Yeah, album. guitar album um, with, I, I was just going to say, with, with good writing and lyrics and singing. And then just some oldies that I got, you know, kind of into. I've, I've been, you know, I've talked about it a few times on the pod. I, I was a big vinyl fan in my 20s and out of, you know, due to moving around the country and, and kind of now settling in Boston, 
I've gotten back into it and COVID helped for sure. So um, I had a couple of records arrive and I had John Prine's first record, which is just a really beautifully sad and uh, humorous record at the same time. But, you know, it just what a talent. 24 years old, discovered by Chris Christopherson. Um, he has three records that I, I really love and this is one of them. And, and so I was pretty stoked to get that. And then I um, more kind of, you know, indie vibe and, and scene vibe 1995's the sea and cake the biz which is another you know I, I think we all have like um especially when you pre-streaming pre-internet um i think we all have these like weird pockets of albums that you know a band might have a pretty deep catalog but maybe you got into one or two records a, a couple of years in your in your music listening life you know and uh sea and cake's one of those bands for me I, I just sort of popped in there for a minute and i really uh stuck my claws into this album and uh, hadn't heard it for years and just sort of popped it on Spotify and then, you know, quickly went to the Thrill Jockey site and, and bought a, a vinyl copy and been listening to that a bunch. So aside from that, I did watch White Tiger um, on Netflix, which, uh, you know... Oh, you finished was, um, it? Yeah, I finished it last night, actually, and uh, I liked it. I, I, I agree with your take, which was um, I wanted it to be a little better. I don't know why. But I did find it very interesting, very well done. The pace was awesome. Um, and it was, yeah, I mean, it was like a, a really interesting, good movie. I just, um, there was something unsatisfying about the end for some reason. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. But I think, I, might, I, think, I mean, if we, were, if we want to uh, really dig in and, and uh, chat about it, I think actually the ending, it, it's a weird thing as a, as a, uh, as an observer in a larger conversation, I think you would say, well, I'm so sick of the pat ending where, you know, the underdog comes out on top. And, you know, the this one really, I think, bent over backwards to not give you that, that super um, clear-cut victory. In this one, the, 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 uh, the underdog kind of comes out slightly above the station that they were originally put into, and that is the victory. And I think they wanted that to resonate more than it did. I think, um, you know, I think it was a thoughtful, uh, you know, a, a certainly a, a very probably deeply meditated um, choice to not have the person, you know, they, they go to great lengths in that movie to, to distance themselves from Slumdog you know, saying, you know, snide things like, well, this isn't that kind of movie where you go on a quiz show and become a billionaire. Um, I think in this one, they wanted to show that the, that the, you know, march up the ladder, the social ladder in India is still really limited despite the lengths that you'll go to, to get a couple steps up. And, um, yeah, and I thought they did a great job of that. Intellectually, um, I get it. Emotionally, I think it doesn't pay off. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, there was a couple of things that, you know, I didn't love, but I, I do think it was a very, um, I don't know, you know, I've, I've had a couple like, um, instances of being sort of transplanted into a, a different culture, um, homeland, uh, elegy. And, and then, um, a book actually my kids were reading that we were listening to on tape called uh, Everything Sad is Untrue, both about um, one about a Persian American and, and other, you know, Muslim living American, Amer American, but um, you know, growing up with yeah. that. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, it, 
for that sake, it's been very, uh, I liked those, those books very much. And then also this movie too was just kind of drops you in a place, you know, much like the small acts movies, which we've talked about in, in the pod mm-hmm. too, where you're kind of getting just dropped in a different culture. Yeah. I'm catching up on the small acts, uh, films finally, um, and watched lovers rock, which I, yeah, I think they're my did. favorite of what I've seen this year, if we want, yeah. or 2020 or whatever it's considered now, you know, whenever, but I, I, I do think they rightfully are, are kind of the best thing that came out. But anyway, sorry. No, no, what are you listening to? When? Um, I am listening to a number of things, but basically I, I finished Shuggy Bane, which I loved, which I've talked about on two previous podcasts, but hadn't finished yet. And, um, in finishing it now, I can confidently tell you to, to read it. Everybody. Uh, I'm reading it right book. now. Yeah. My, uh, um, I'm reading a book called Luster right now, which I think was a uh, a fairly significant uh, book maybe two, three years ago. It's very um, unusual setup, and I will talk more about that when I'm finished with it probably this afternoon. It's only like 200 pages long. Um, that said, I've been watching a number of documentaries. I watched the Killing Joke documentary last night, which was uh, different strange um and i don't highly recommend it but you know for my edification it's always fun to watch those kinds of things and um i've been struggling a little bit with television i've I've been waiting for something to come but uh i have watched a few of my screeners and i actually really liked promising young woman um you know it's it's a it's a it's a little messy it it jerks you in a bunch of different directions but you know the through line is pretty great and once you finish it you're you're pretty happy that um, they put that package together. Uh, it's um, the woman who, uh, one of the writers from Killing Eve, and uh, she, I believe she's also a writer on Succession, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, anyway, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. Carrie Mulligan is, as always, fantastic. And uh, Bo Burnham, who, um, you know, is sort of a curiosity, the fellow who directed Eighth Grade and, and, you know, was one of the first YouTube stars with, you know, these parody songs when he was like a sophomore in high school in Massachusetts, um, plays her love interest. And um, it's kind of a, an interesting offbeat um, rape-revenge fantasy that, um, that I recommend, despite my, uh, despite the way I just described it. Um, cool. That said, I also watched the Trojan Records doc on um, Amazon, which I, I really enjoyed largely, you know, maybe not the best documentary I've ever seen, but something I knew so little about um, that's so iconic that it was really worth watching. And, you know, you forget because that music seems historically uh, significant that all of those guys were so young when they were making that music. Most of them were still alive to be talking heads in a, in a Trojan records documentary. So check it out. If you get a chance, it's on Amazon, I believe. Cool. Um, well, great. Well, let's, uh, let's put our first 2021 songs on the, uh, you know, 8 million and five songs playlist. All right. Well, songs ever. since Christian's not here, um, I am going to take a page out of his book and cheat. Um, and I am going to <laughs> synthesize a number of the uh, things we just talked about: um, Trojan Records, uh, Small Axe, and the Killing Joke documentary. I'm going to put three songs on the list today. Whoa! Killing Joke '80s. Uh, you may know that song from such yeah. albums as Nirvana's Nevermind. 
Um, I'm going to put Alibaba by uh, John Holt, uh, an artist that I'd never heard of, who um, I feel very ignorant for not having heard of. He's obviously a very uh, trans, uh, transformative figure in the history of reggae. And um, uh, Alibaba, I just heard that song during the doc and um, was instantly taken with it. And then I'm going to put on To Sir With Love by Lulu, which seems sort of out of the clear blue sky. But in listening to Silly Games on uh, uh, Lover's Rock in the Small Axe series, I was struck by how similarly constructed and how unusually constructed both uh, silly games and to sir with love are where they have these sort of booming choruses, but they seem to have like seven pre-choruses or bridges or or you know whatever um, that lead into one booming chorus and then the song's over. So I think the sum total of these three songs is about four minutes, but uh, I feel comfortable putting them all on. Cool. Well, since you cheated, that means I have to cheat because that's how cheating works. Mm-hmm. And um, I am going to say, uh, what is my first one here? I'm going to put In Excesses, Don't Change. Sweet. Um, yeah, it's a fucking awesome song. And uh, re reintroduced to it via the Wonderland soundtrack a bunch of years back. I put one on that you and Christian might not dig, and I'm sorry, but I'm doing it because um, I just really like it. It's uh, Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen, up born in the USA. Nice. I know not your favorite, but I think it rocks. It's, and, it's uh, moving up. Yeah, and then I'm kind of torn on this last one. Um, Jump Ball, Vince Staples' Fun or Lana Del Rey video games? It's your call. I don't think we have a Lana song. What's that? I said it's your call. All right. Um, Let's see. I'm going to go with uh, the Lana Del Rey video games. Awesome. All right. Well, let's talk. Another song that just completely grew on me over the years. I really love it. Let's talk very soon again. And uh, when we come back, uh, who the hell knows what we'll be discussing next. Sounds good. Talk to you later. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.